We lose money on 42% of the calls we run, every single call. What business in America would set that up as an ideal business model? Hello and welcome back to another edition of EMS One Stop. I'm your host, Rob Lawrence, and sometimes this might sound like the start of a bad joke. You have a load of union folk and a load of management in the room, and what happens next? Well, I can tell you what happens next, something really, really positive. I'm sitting here in Gardena, which is in the south, the south part of Los Angeles, or LA to the locals, and so let's just uh, introduce our team from both our union colleagues and also from management. So why don't you start us off, Chad, as your closest in? Hi, I'm Chad Druton. I'm Chief Operating Officer of Emergency Ambulance Service, which is based in Brea, California, in Orange County. I'm the president of the Los Angeles County Ambulance Association. I'm also the president of the Ambulance Association of Orange County and a member of the alliance formed with the California Ambulance Association. My name is Melissa Harris. I am the president and CEO of AmbuServe Ambulance, Medic One Ambulance, and Shoreline Ambulance. I am also the board of director for the California Ambulance Association. I co-chair the Payers Committee and so excited to be part of the Fund First Responders Coalition. My name is Shelley Huddleston. I'm the national labor representative for the International Association of EMTs and Paramedics. And my name's Ryan Walters. I'm the president of the IAEP Local 370, and I represent about 1,000 EMTs and paramedics who work at Falcon Orange and Los Angeles. So the reason that we're here today is really just to discuss the California-based campaign to raise uh, Medi-Cal, which is, uh, to translate that into the the rest of the country, uh, into Medicaid repayments, but also the amazing thing that's happening here where we're bringing together a great coalition of uh, labor colleagues, of state associations, of ambulance service owners in order to achieve this. And of course, politicians and those that, that lobby them. And so that's really the theme of today. And now this, of course, is scalable across the rest of the United States. We're talking about California, but everything we talk about today, because the rest of the country, let's face it, is in the same amount of CRAP or insert your expletive here. And so therefore, what we talk about today is really scalable across other states. Please use that as the first takeaway. Well, let's jump right into the deep end. Coming to you first, Ryan, uh, you did a press conference with us a year ago in Sacramento, and we'll talk a bit more about that later on. But you really do fear for the economic future of our hardworking staff. What I said was, is the EMTs were one missed shift away from poverty. I think that's what struck a chord in a lot of people's minds and maybe their hearts too. I mean, this is industry I love. Uh, people I love, I've, I've seen and, and people leave, uh, people that I, I wish we could hold on to, but they have to provide for their families. That was 12 months ago. I asked you this question when we interviewed you on camera. What's happened since? Nothing. And if we end the interview there, 
that's probably powerful enough. But uh, obviously, we're back here. We are more, um, I think we're, we're, we're even more joined up than we were before. We are determined to go forward. We are getting a bill launched. Um, we are lobbying folk. Um, is, that, is that enough to keep you guys with us, as in, as in union and labor working hard together? Absolutely. Uh, this is an issue that has to be fixed. At this point, we do not have a choice on whether or not we're going to be a part of it or not. If your companies aren't sustainable because you can't make it and keep your doors open, then our workers get laid off. And so it's a full circle picture of the funds need to come in to help sustain the company because costs are going up, whether it's for um, employees or fuel or supplies, everything is going up. And there's a shortage of EMS workers, so we have to be able to get those EMS workers in the door. And when you see out in the, in the communities, you see Taco Bell and Target and Starbucks are starting people at $18, $20, $22 an hour, which is more than what our EMS workers are making. It's, it's almost a slap in the face to EMS. We're so happy to be working with the, the ambulance companies, with CAA, with other unions, with other uh, groups in order to make this happen. And, and we're really just hap- happy to be here and happy and hoping that we will see this change. Okay, I'm going to come back at you, Shelley, with two quick points, but let's just take a moment to have a word from our sponsor. Lexapol empowers first responders and public servants to best meet the needs of their residents safely and responsibly, serving more than 2 million public safety and government professionals in over 8,000 agencies and municipalities. Lexapol offers a range of solutions that includes policies, training, behavioural health resources, news and analysis, and grant assistance services for law enforcement, fire rescue, EMS, local government, and other agencies dedicated to public safety. To learn more, visit lexapol.com. That's L-E-X-I-P-O-L dot com. Welcome back. Uh, you were just listening to, to Shelley Huddleston. Shelley, actually, one of the... Uh the quotes we had from when we, we've been interviewing EMTs up and down California, we were in Sacramento a few weeks ago, and actually the, the powerful, I guess, quote, the soundbite was that, uh, you know, that person earns more money pouring fries into the oil than they get from pouring gauze or putting gauze into the wound. And I think that really is is a powerful soundbite. One of our colleagues that isn't here today, Jason Berlini, we, we, we welcomed you all for a panel at the California Ambulance Association Annual Conference. Jason, you know, identified, and if you're still listening out there going, hang on a second, we've got union, we've got management in the room here. You know, how can this possibly be when you're not, you know, you're not arguing stuff? Jason made a really good point, right? So in the life of a collective bargaining agreement, and I've quoted this, by the way, many times now in the last year. So you you have a collective bargaining agreement negotiation, okay? That's going to last maybe three or four years, depending on the term of it. Within that time cycle, if, if and, and this is Jason's word, if we spent the first three months, you know, we have to do the negotiation, we have to, you know, have our back and forth, we have to do what we have to do. If we get that bit right, the rest of the time can be in lockstep moving forward like we are now. And uh, that's what he said. But I mean, do you agree with that? Absolutely. Uh, we, we negotiate contracts all the time, every day, pretty much most of the year. And it can take anywhere from a week to a year and a half, two years, depending on the company. But he is absolutely correct. If we could get a contract done that was fair and equitable and has a decent, favorable, and livable wage in it to where the employees stay because they're happy with with 
what the company is doing. They're happy with their wage that's there and they're loving their job. Then the next contract that comes around is going to be even easier and we can spend the rest of that two and a half or three years or however long that contract is working together to make things better. And that's something that we actually, I actually strive to do is have a good relationship with management so that when smaller things come up that's maybe not in the CBA, we can actually sit down and work together with that. So that has been something that, that I work on. Um, but yes, I would absolutely agree with uh, that comment from Mr. Brolini. And, and, and I just to come back, going back to my UK days, talking to, to my colleagues with Unison, of course, when we get to the point where we, all we've got to discuss at the Labour management meeting is the lock on the station at in Sudbury, I know we're getting somewhere, right? And that's, that's the level of it. Chad, I think you were going to weigh in there. Weighing in and, and, and responding to what Shelley had said, and I think one of the most important things is, is, is this relationship between management and labor. It's bringing me back to how I got into this business. It's bringing me back to the times when I was an EMT earning minimum wage, getting paid 13 of 24 hours. But more so than that is, is recognizing we share a common humanity. We all have families and people we love and pursuits outside of this, this business that we want to do. And you can't do that if, if you can't afford it. And so, and I can't recruit the very best people. I have two fine employees with us here today and, and, and are terrific, and they're, they're going off to the fire department. And now I've got to bring two more people in, and they've got to be able to afford to live in one of the most expensive places in Southern California, in Orange County. And we can't do that without assistance. I have to tell you, I've already called my uh, significant other and said you're not going to believe the amount of RV vehicles and homeless people. I mean, you said it yourself, uh, Ryan, that you know some some folk are one step away from the poverty line, and we don't want that to happen. Let's just talk politics for a second. So we both, both the associations that are here today, the California Ambulance Association, uh, Orange County, and of course our, our friends from from the unions, we all have lobbyists. We all have the ability to influence our politicians. How are we bringing those things together right now? And I ask this question because, as I said, every state is in the same pickle, the same boat, the same set of concerns. Although, as, as I say, I'll wager not every state has the Labour and Association Leadership Coalition going on, which I commend everybody that you do. But how are we leveraging our political power? Who wants to take that first? I'll talk. I'll, I'll address that. I didn't introduce uh, in the EMS One Stop Arena. I have a sound engineer who's also uh, Jim Karras. So come on in, Jim. Who are you? Where are you from? What are you doing? What do you got to say? So I'm Jim Karras. I'm the Vice President, Chief Operating Officer for AmbuServe Ambulance and our sister companies, Medic One and Shoreline. I'm also the Vice President of the Los Angeles County Ambulance Association and the Secretary for the Ambulance Association of Orange County. Uh, I also chair the... Uh, Human Resources Collaborative for the California Ambulance Association. Been in the industry. And do you for, actually do a day job as well? I have a day job <laughs> and uh, do a little podcasting on the side. And I've been in the industry for 40 years. And I can tell you that um, we have not, as an industry, been very good at going hat in hand and asking for money. We're real good at caring for people. That's what we do. And most everybody in the management team started out. Uh, in an EMT program somewhere up and down the state and eventually working here. And the ones that stuck around by osmosis got promoted. And, uh, you know, it, the industry is a great group of folks. And the thing is, is 
Sacramento is much more sophisticated today than it was even in the, the time that I've been around here. And we did this, uh, I think the last time we did this was uh, 2014, but our last raise was in 1999. And uh, we, we brought it up in the past. The, the California Amnesty Association historically has been the entity that has led the charge on behalf of the industry. And we do have uh, political folks that, that assist this association. But quite honestly, most of the time, we've just been unable to get much traction. And now today, last year, we let it go to a critical point. One of the things I want to point out for those that may not be familiar with our, our how our funding is in this industry, unlike the in and outs the Del Tacos, the jack-in-the-boxes of the world, who can raise their prices to meet the escalating minimum wage and escalating inflationary pressures that they're feeling, we don't have the ability to do that. Our rates are set for us by the government and by government payers. And they're capped. In some cases, they're fixed. And so because we don't have an... We, it's an inability to be able to make those adjustments, we're beholden on the state of California for, for this one to help us and give us some relief. And that means we have to convince the elected body. I believe, and my last point, I'll turn it back to you, my, I believe that most residents in the state of California really think we are deserving of this increase, and that we, they're astonished when they hear what we pay and that we're losing folks to fast food chains and to Amazon warehouses. They don't understand. They think we're much more well-funded than we are. And it's incumbent on us to get that message out. But it's also incumbent on the legislators to step up, take their responsibility to make sure that there is an equal access for Medi-Cal enrollees up and down the state. And that's what I'm concerned about. I believe we've let this go too long, and there may be now an access issue for the populations we serve. I want to say something um, that, based on what uh, Jim was just saying. I agree with you. This this issue of us getting increases isn't about the owners of the ambulance companies. It isn't about the management company for the ambulance companies. It's not about labor, and it's not just about EMTs. We have to think that the reason why Medi-Cal was put in place is so that everybody, regardless of how much you make, could have equal access to health care. What is it saying about the most about all the people who need Medi-Cal the most and who need insurance. Um, we see extreme uh, wall times in, in hospitals all over Inglewood, Gardena, where they're, you know where it's a poor area. I won't name the hospitals, but we all know which ones they are. So you're noticing that when you're taking them in to 911, that there's these outrageous wall times, which uh, patients are waiting up to four hours to get into a hospital because it's so overcrowded. Not to say what that does to our resources and utilization. Chad said earlier that it should take an hour. So you could imagine how that $111 that we get reimbursed for that one transport it doesn't even cover the cost of wages when you're, you know, waiting four hours um, in order to deliver a patient to a hospital. And if I understand for emergencies 
that companies have to take the patient regardless whether they have insurance or not. But I think it's a, a fair discussion that we need to have is how are we serving the Medi-Cal recipients once they get discharged out of the hospital? And once it's a non-emergency situation, I know that there's patients that are staying an extra day in the hospital that are ready to be discharged because no ambulance company wants to come and pick up a patient for $111 below their cost when it's not an emergency situation. I'm not saying that that's the correct approach to take, but this is reality. If, if we're gonna take in all of these uh, people and, and offer them Medi-Cal, we should be giving them the same amount of benefits as anyone else has who has commercial insurances. I really feel that we need to do better by California. You're an ambulance service owner. And before I actually ask this question, uh, if you go back and we'll put in the show notes, if you go back into the the EMS uh, one-stop catalogue, I had a very frank and honest conversation with Brian Hendrickson from AMR GMR on their closure in the LA market. And, and Melissa, you own a company. I mean, this is an economic, this must be an economic nightmare for you. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's challenging because we have to um, contract with commercial insurances at outrageous prices in order to hit a flat line. I'm not even saying profitable, a flat line. When when you're taking a patient and it takes four hours to get them admitted into the ER, I'm losing money every time I transport. So it's very hard to ramp up services, um, to attract uh, personnel when you can't entice them with better wages and they could flip burgers. I mean, we have to be able to do more because healthcare is important. Let me uh, comment. You know, in 1999, Medi-Cal represented in the Southern California area 9% of the average uh, payer mix, the total book of business that any ambulance service had in Southern California, it represented 9%. After the Affordable Care Act was passed, it jumped to 42%. We lose money on 42% of the calls we run, every single call. What business in America would set that up as an ideal business model? When I was in the UK, we always used to say the National Health Service, if the National Health Service was a restaurant, it would close for lunch because it's that inefficient. But, uh, I mean, we're getting near that way as well. Um, Shelley, this is one of the questions we asked on for on, on camera interviews. But uh, if you got stuck in the, uh, the elevator or were indeed, going back to my other life, on the escalator with an elected official and you had two floors or a very long escalator ride down, what's the one thing that you would, uh, you know, what's your pitch I would explain to them that if we don't do something soon with the Medi-Cal reimbursement rates, that our EMS system is going to implode. It's going to implode because our ambulance companies are either going to stop taking those Medi-Cal patients because they can't afford them, and so who's going to take care of them, or they're going to start shutting their doors. When they shut their doors, our members lose jobs. We need EMS workers out there. And like I said earlier, it's a full circle. And if we don't fix this now, we're going to start seeing companies not taking those contracts at specific hospitals or RFPs. We're going to see uh, ambulance companies closing doors because they just can't afford it anymore with the cost of fuel, 
and wages and supplies and everything else that goes with running a company. And we're going to see EMS workers laid off. And that is not what we need. We already have a national shortage. If we start laying them off because they cannot stay at a company because the company can't stay afloat, we're going to implode. And that is a problem. Everybody will suffer. Um, is there anything that we haven't covered that we want to pick up on before inevitably we have to go? I actually wanted to, um, the question that you asked earlier is as far as what we are kind of doing with our legislative um, run is one of the things that we were able to help with was bring aboard Freddie Rodriguez, Assemblyman Freddie Rodriguez. When we were asked to join with CAA, Melissa actually called me and said, hey, what do you think about this? And I jumped right in, was like, oh my gosh, yes, we need to join this. Um, Freddie Rodriguez was one of my members. He was actually an EMT in the field for one of my LA locals, and he ran for an assemblyman position and got it. And I believe this is his third uh, run. He has actually signed on to help support this bill and has been very helpful in getting other assemblymen and women to join and sign as well. And I think that that shows a lot between us working together, management and union, is here we have a union member or former union member, EMT, who is now a state assemblyman that is the one who is helping to sponsor this bill. And I think that's amazing. And I, and I think that that helped bring us together and closer as well, hearing where he's come from and what his plight has been in working to make things better in EMS in general. And actually, that's part of the roadmap of legislating is you need to find your friends and your champions. And, you know, pretty much in every state house, I suspect there is someone that's been a doctor, a nurse, uh, an EMT, a paramedic that may well assist, be sympathetic and help you along the way. And so, again, if you're listening outside of of uh, this, this amazing state that we're talking from in here, go out and find your champions. Um, I know that all of our colleagues at various other state associations are going to want to listen to this podcast because, of course, we are just describing as I keep saying, and I'm going to keep saying it, the issue we're all facing. But actually, I'm looking here in this room at a potential solution, and that's partnership and uh, hunting as a pack, and uh, hopefully this year getting stuff done. Um, we're almost on time, so I'm just going to come along and ask you all for a final thought um, about uh, the, the, the legislation, the situation, the staffing. Tell me what's on your mind. And actually, as, as you are my, my, uh, my fifth guest, Jim, I'm going to ask you first. Well... You know, the first thing I think is we would be remiss in not um, identifying and recognizing and celebrating those that have joined this wonderful coalition. It's unprecedented. Um, Melissa, can you talk about a few of the folks that are part of the coalition, just kind of the different areas that have joined us in this cause? Sure. So we have, uh, it's the California Ambulance Association's coalition, and we have uh, associations in San Diego that are representative of all the ambulance companies in San Diego. We have the LA County Ambulance Association, the Orange County Ambulance Association. We have NAGE, uh, SEIU, uh, Temis. Steelworkers. United Steelworkers, AFSME. 
So it's a, it's, it's a broad coalition, and actually um, we'll put up in the show notes the, our fundfirstresponders.org website where we have all of, the, all of the partners, all of the coalition together. And again, we want people to R&D, which is rip off and duplicate. If you see something that we're doing that you want to borrow, by all means, borrow it to legislate for yourselves. Sorry to butt in, but I felt that was a good time to do that plug. And um, I just also want to say is last year when we were meeting with um, tons of legislators and really just educating them and telling them about the struggles that we're having coming out of COVID and staffing issues, it was very interesting that not one person said we shouldn't be deserving this is a live ambulance station folks and there it was (laughs) keep going it's staying in so what i was saying is that it was interesting that nobody said no and actually everyone was so shocked that we hadn't had an increase in 24 years when the minimum wage was five dollars and 75 cents and so it was really disheartening um, last year when, when we didn't bring it home and get an increase um, for our staff and for the Medicaid population. And so I'm really hoping this year that change is made because there are ambulance companies all over the state that are having staffing issues. And that's going to be brought into 911 and it's going to be brought into interfacility transportation. And so it's very important that we're able to do something and to offer more to our staff in order to retain staff. We're very much unlike hospitals systems that are in um, underserved areas where the government provides them dish funding. Ambulance companies don't get any type of additional funding for any transports where they are transporting below their costs, like Medi-Cal, or for indigent, for patients that don't have insurance. So we take significant losses, and with the rise of inflation rapidly uh, after COVID, we really need change, and we're, we need it now. We need your help. We do. That's an amazing final thought. Let's go to you, uh, Ryan. Well, there's a lot that was said, and uh, I, I tell you, I took a little bit of notes. So that's great. Notes are allowed. For, 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 from my perspective, from the labor perspective, for for the EMTs and paramedics in the state of California, maybe largely the United States, workers deserve a long and and dignified career. There, there's no doubt about it. The the, the times where we are going to sit back and watch the skilled and experienced workers in our field just walk away, quietly quit, which seems to be the common denominator right now, has to, has to end. And we know that in California, um, 30 to 40% of Californians have Medi-Cal. And we know that a lot of children have Medi-Cal, approximately 50 to 60%. And so many Californians depend on Medi-Cal to pay their for their services and ambulance companies, EMTs, and the system at large depends on Medi-Cal to fund these these 911 services, these interfacility transports. And we have to energize our people to see what we're seeing. I, I think that it was touched on that wall times have been excessive and 
workers have been asked to take less hours or have been asked to maybe go part-time. Hey, can you go part-time? You know, we, we have to reduce some of our hours and services. And we're getting pushed farther and farther down together and we have to rise up. We have to make a stand. We have to do something about this that changes this service forever. And I don't think it's going to be just today. I think it's going to be something that we do consistently and in, in perpetuity. We're never going to stop advocating for um, our patients, um, our, our partners at work, our families, you know, and we have to put food on the table and for the ambulance companies to pay for better equipment, better uniforms, better education, better training. And for us to stop thinking about providing just the bare necessities for ourselves. I mean, healthcare costs are up, gas is up. We have to alleviate that strain on, on all of us. And I think Californians need to realize that the ambulance industry is important and we need to reinvigorate it and we need to pay for it. Excellent. Wise words and well said. Chad, top that if you can. Well, it's hard to top that, but both Mr. Karras and Ryan touched on something that we really haven't talked about, and that's the patient. The patient is the one that's most important here, the Medi-Cal recipient. They're the ones that stand to lose the most, and they're the only reason we exist. They're the only reason any of us have jobs, and we can't lose sight of that. So we're not just advocating for our industry. We're advocating for the citizens of California. We're advocating for people that live here. If there's not providers to serve them, the underserved, that high percentage of people are going to go without ambulance services. They're going to have fewer ambulances in their areas to respond to their needs. So I don't want to lose touch of who's most important or why I became an EMT. It's the person. And so we're not just advocating for our industry and for an increase. We're advocating for people that need our help. And I hope that the state sees that, that they understand that, the people that are representing us at the Capitol understand that this is really not about us or the people that work for us, our labor, our management. It's, it's also about the people that they were elected by, that they help and they're supposed to serve. So hopefully we all keep sight of that. Thank you. Uh, 10, 15 years ago, there was that uh, seminal work, EMS at the crossroads. Unfortunately, I think we went through the crossroads and we've just arrived at the cliff edge and for both us and the patients. And of course, that leaves the last word with you, Shelley. Um. I would just like to say, of course, fundfirstresponders.org. Please go sign up, um, help support us. You can support, you can just sign the petition, anything to help, share with friends and family, get that out. That will help us a lot. Um, and call your, your assembly men and women, call your legislatures and say, hey, we need to do something about our Medi-Cal reimbursement rates. Let people know out there that we need to have a sustainable EMS system. And, you know, thank you for letting us be a part of the coalition and for working together, you know, union and company. It's not very common, but I am enjoying it and I hope that it lasts on other things as well. We are enjoying it. Let's just say that. I think we all have to agree. It's, it's been a blast and been very productive and uh, long may it continue and we continue to find common ground as we go forward. 
So I'd like to thank all of my guests. Don't forget, you can follow us on Apple Podcasts, on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, and Amazon Music. And if you enjoyed what you just listened to, please take a second to rate and review us on the platform in which you're listening to us on. This has been EMS One Stop. I've been Rob Lawrence. You can follow me on Twitter at UKRobL1 or over on LinkedIn. Don't forget what Shelley said. Also, if you're in California, we need your voice. We need your name. We need you to sign up via fundfirstresponders.org. If you're listening in the wider country, every state pretty much has an ambulance association or an ambulance uh, collective. They're lobbying hard for the same things that we are. So work out who they are, sign up, get involved. And on that note, thank you all very much. As I said, I've been Rob Lawrence. This has been EMS One Stop. Until next time, bye for now.